from a functional medicine perspective, we're looking at how the system is functioning at a cellular level. So there's a lot of diagnostic tests we can do to look at the metabolic health of the cells because these symptoms don't exist in just one system. Mm -hmm. This is the piece that I like feel so passionate about people understanding is like, just because you're having skin issues doesn't mean you have a skin issue. Like there is cellular metabolic chaos because all the systems are talking to each other, trying to compensate for each other. Like it's just a sign that something is wrong deeper. Hello, and welcome to the Emotional Expedition Podcast. I'm Meg Thomas, and if you want to live a more open-hearted, magical life, it all starts with your emotions. This podcast will take you on a journey, helping you to better understand, express, release, and heal your emotions. Let's get exploring. I am so so grateful. Today, I get to share with you Tiffany Caglin, and she is an incredible human being with a truly remarkable story of her own journey of healing, which we both can't wait to share with you. Tiffany's careers over the years have taken many different forms, but the common thread between all of them has been her passion for helping others, helping them guide them, shifting mindsets, taking action. And she's one of those people that I've known about for a really long time. We've kind of been orbiting around each other, but have never actually met until now, which seems, of course, the most appropriate and perfect time for both of us in our own journeys. I started hearing about her years ago through O Yoga Studios, which she was the owner of in the heart of Syracuse. And then I started to hear bits and pieces of how she was healing her own Crohn's disease. And I knew I needed to know more as I've personally been struggling with digestive issues for 17 years myself. Tiffany is a functional medicine health coach, a wellness expert, and there's so much we can learn from her. So welcome, Tiffany. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And you're right. We have been, that's such a beautiful way to say it, that we've been just orbiting around each other for so long. And but I, but agreed. It's just it was such perfect timing for us to finally connect and meet and be able to support each other on our journey. So I love it. I love the synchronicity. I love building my tribe around me that just you know like raises the energy for all of us. So mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for having me here. Mm, so happy. So let's start with childhood. I know I've read your bio on your website, which is absolutely gorgeous. And so your childhood, tell me about what was it like growing up with animals when you were in, I think it was New Mexico. And yeah. and how were your emotions? How did you express your emotions as a child? And how was that received in your home? What was that like? Hmm. So I, I started my life in Cleveland. And the first 12 years of my life, I lived there. And my childhood was, you know, there's a lot of components I can look at. Like there certainly was a lot of fun and joy and adventure and interesting things that I was exposed to. I had parents who had a wide variety of interests and people in their lives. And so I got to do a lot of really cool stuff. 
but there also was a lot of difficulty. And, you know, as a young child, my parents got divorced when I was really little. They were teenage parents. My mom was, she had me a week before she turned 19. She married my dad when she was 16. So they were like teen, teen, like Romeo and Juliet sort of story. And, you know, teenagers having a baby and in the 70s, so, you know, I'm painting the picture of like a wild ride for, for everybody. But um, they got divorced when I was really young, um, like around two. And there was a lot of anger between the two of them. So, you know, if I'm just, I feel like I am here to be really transparent and real. I'm just not one of those people who is going to hold back. But it was pretty traumatic in terms of just like the push and pull and getting in the middle of the fights that they were having constantly. My dad is also an alcoholic. He has been sober now for 17 years, which is amazing. But um, he was battling that as a child. And so, you know, I'm just creating this. This image is important because as we talk about my healing journey, I think a lot of what evolved, you know, really started to like manifest in childhood and just, you know, I became one of those people who started to feel like they had to people please and keep things calm and not rock the boat and not upset anybody and, you know, make everything work for everybody. So that was like early years. And then my mom got remarried when I was 12. And this is the part where you're talking about New Mexico. So we moved my stepdad for his job. We needed to move to New Mexico. And so I had been in Cleveland and my mom got remarried and she was like, we're moving to New Mexico. But I, I had to choose who to live with because my parents had joint custody and it was on me as a 12 year old to make that decision, which was very difficult. My mom was pregnant with my brother. And so I'd been an only child and now here I'm going to have a sibling and my mom's moving. And so anyways, it was a very difficult choice. I chose to go with my mom and move to New Mexico, which was very difficult for my dad. And he actually stopped speaking to me for the next five years. He just really couldn't deal with the pain of that decision that I had made. So I went into New Mexico like with some pain, you know, around that choice, but, but also excitement, like it was a new place and I was having a brother and, you know, this, this whole thing. So we lived on a farm. I went from Cleveland, like living on a pecan farm in Southern New Mexico, in the middle of like nowhere, very rural situation. Like my nearest neighbor was, you know, half a mile down the road. And I got into this whole new world and life and really embraced. I had actually been riding horses in Ohio. So that was a part that I like carried over and transferred, but horses became a huge part of my life. We had horses on the farm. I raised cattle. We ended up getting into ostrich farming. I just went from like city girl to full blown cowgirl, just living this farm life, which was cool. It was a very cool experience. So yeah, I mean, that was, I was in New Mexico until 17. So the middle part of my life, middle school until I ended up going back to Ohio to go to college. So that's, 
that's like a, you know, a brief synopsis of my childhood there. Like I said, at the beginning, there was a lot of, I feel really blessed. There was a lot of amazing things. And there also was a lot of emotional difficulty that I've had to deal with and process in my life. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I imagine as that 12 year old girl, you were starting to understand, right? In order to get my dad's love, I have to do this, right? And at 12 years old, like, how do you even process those big emotions and not internalize it, right? Because really, that was about him. (laughs) But as a 12 year old girl, I can even just picture myself as the little 12 year old thinking everything's my fault, right? Like, no matter what, you were going to disappoint someone. Yes, right, right. And that's exactly it. And I think that actually even started before then, because that's, that's what would happen between my parents, like we had Mm -hmm. a schedule, but then my dad would say, like, well, we're going to do this, you know, you should come with us. And then my mom would be upset. But then if I said no to my dad, then he would be upset. And it was Mm -hmm. this constant push and pull and tugging. And like, yeah. And so that moment was impossible to Mm -hmm. process. And I don't think I did, you know, I think like now I can see in hindsight, it was so painful. It's hard to wrap your head around a parent just deciding they don't want to talk to you. Yeah, it's bringing up some emotion now, actually. I mean, that was, and you know, it was interesting because I had this counselor in junior high who called me in the office one day and was like, what is the deal with your parents? Why doesn't, like, what your dad calls the school and asks us for your grades. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he does? You know, I mean, I'm like, he doesn't speak to me. I don't know. I would send him cards. I would send him presents. He would send them back. It was pretty intense, you know, and it's like, I had enough awareness as a child that my dad drank frequently. I, of course, did not understand alcoholism. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what I was witnessing. I knew enough. I think I did have some sense of like, he doesn't understand how to deal with emotions. He doesn't understand how to like, he's just not dealing with this well. I didn't have the words to articulate the, the, the understanding that I have now. But it was hard. It was really, really hard. I mean, I was just sad. I wondered if I'd made the wrong choice. But then, you know, and and my mom was, that was another thing. My mom was in a very difficult spot with that move. Her new marriage wasn't going well. And she went through a pretty bad period herself of Mm -hmm. just struggling. And so it was a lot. It was a lot for me to like carry and bear at that age. And I think a lot of it ended up getting trapped in my body for sure. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Of course, we will dive deep into. (laughs) Yes. So you moved back to Ohio for college, right? Yep. So where do we go from there? So this was actually the turning point where I think things started to bubble over with my health, which was Mm -hmm. that at 17, as I mentioned, my mom was also in a difficult phase of life. and. So it had just gotten to the point where her and I were not, I don't even want to say we weren't getting along. It was just a lot of bad energy and toxicity. I felt like it was like kind of holding me back in life. You know, I was, I was feeling really stuck. I didn't know what to do. She had homeschooled me. She had pulled me out of school in the middle of my high school 
I came home one day in the middle of 10th grade and she was like, you're not going back to school ever again. So I just, you know, I felt my, my soul was like, you've got to like, you have to move on. You have to like start taking care of yourself. So weirdly at that time, my stepmom had reached out to me. Now I haven't heard from them in five years. And she reached out, sent a card and it was just an opening. It was an opening and invitation. Like, we hope you're doing well, updating me on some things in their life. And so I reached out to her and basically she invited me to like come home and visit. So I, I went home, I was 17, I went back to Ohio to visit and I decided to stay. And it was only supposed to be like a visit. And then I called my mom and I was like, I'm not coming back right now, which was then a whole nother turmoil <laughs> of like, and pain for her. You know, I mean, it was my mom and I, by the way, are in, have an amazing, beautiful relationship now. So this was just a period of time of like, you know, mm -hmm. her dealing with her stuff and, you know, sort of like me trying to break out of like her orbit for a while. That was very traumatic, that whole thing. My dad decided to sort of like flare up again, and he decided to fight for custody. I was 17. It was just, it's like all started again, where they were just mm. like mm -hmm. lobbing missiles at each other through me. And so she's traumatized. He's angry. I was in the swirl of all that. And... All of a sudden, I start, you know, having intense stomach pain. I'm doubled over. I can't. I was trying to. I was working full time. I was. I'd started going to college. Um, I was doing like community college and and working full time because my mom had homeschooled me. So I, I had to like get my GED in order to like go to college. So I was working on that and just really started to have this intense pain, was beginning to lose weight really rapidly and just got to the point where I couldn't eat anything. I mm -hmm. mean, it was like the minute food get, got put in my mouth, I was like in intense agonizing pain. And I was, it's not that quick as you know, well, unfortunately for you, and I do know some of your story, but I... I ended up being diagnosed with Crohn's was basically, you know, I went to the doctor. It, it, it wasn't like an easy, quick diagnosis, but eventually they decided it was Crohn's. And that was really my, like, that was the beginning of my autoimmune journey. That was the very, the very start. It, it ended up evolving into a lot of other autoimmune stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but that was really, and so it's like no surprise that there was this trigger, you know, I was, I was under intense emotional distress and my system just couldn't handle it anymore. So I was sort of like in and out of treatment. They were giving me a lot of medications. I was still trying to maintain my life and go to school and work and do all the things. And like, I couldn't get to classes half the time. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't leave the bathroom. Um, I had lost about 20 pounds, maybe even 30 pounds at that point. So my mom ended up coming to get me. And it's interesting because I don't remember any of this part. I was that sick. I guess, you know, from what she tells me, she showed up at my dad's house one day, packed up all my stuff, got me to the airport. She had to wheel me in a wheelchair, got me to New Mexico. She just had this feeling that it was like life or death critical to get mm -hmm. me 
you know, back home with her. I went immediately into the hospital in Albuquerque. And I think it was probably a few days later that I finally like became aware that I was like somewhere else that I was like in a hospital and my mom was there and I was in New Mexico. And I don't remember any of that, the plane flight, the, she said, by the time we got to New Mexico, my fever was 105 and my blood pressure was like non-existent. I had no substance left in my body. And they told her that like, I might've survived another day or two. Wow. Like my vitals were just, my body was done. It was shutting down. So yeah, then I was in the hospital for a while in New Mexico, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to like, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know how much you want me to like go into these details. I'm trying to, you know, condense it, but give enough information. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I'm just sitting with that feeling and the feeling your mother must have had of going there and, and getting you and what that took and for you to just be able to wake up somewhere else and be like, oh, okay, how did I get here, right? That feeling. Yeah. And I'm hearing it in your story that you yourself are drawing this connection between the trapped or stored emotion and the trauma that you experienced as a child, it manifesting through your body. Would you say that's a fair assumption of? of Absolutely. You know, it's it's something that I know to be true now. Yeah. How much, you know, as I as I have gone on this healing journey, that became a profound thing for me to understand was that there was a lot of layers. You know, there was actual just lifestyle food, antibiotics, you know, just yeah. like there was stressors on the body. The emotional and traumatic stress, though was a huge part of it. And, it, and, you know, I think our bodies are so resilient and they're so amazing and they will keep adapting and keep trying to move you through the day. And we do get bombarded with all these different stressors in life always. Like you can't, there's toxins, there's different, you know, food is, uh, processed food especially is causing stress to the body. And, but I think the piece that people don't necessarily understand is that this emotional trauma is creating just as much of a physical like biological physiological response in the body as the toxins as it is another you know form of toxin and you know this took me a long time to understand Mm -hmm. and a long time to move through and release and heal and come out on the other side And that is absolutely part of the puzzle, I think, with a lot of our, the symptoms that manifest. I think a piece people don't look at enough is the emotional component and the traumas. Yeah. Yeah. And so was this the moment where the healing began or were we not there yet? I know for me, like. No, still not there yet. Still not there yet. I mean, I was a a teenager. I was 17. I didn't have the tools. I didn't understand. I didn't understand any of what I understand now. I I mean, obviously I knew that like I was very stressed all the time, you know, like that I definitely had an awareness that like what was happening with my family situation was causing a lot of, you know, stress helping you. Mm -hmm. No, but it's like, but you didn't, I don't, I don't know. People didn't talk about it as much. 
nobody was being like open and vulnerable. I think this was part of what my dad's issue was, right? Like he had had his own childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and he wasn't processing his and he wasn't processing his emotions and his sword trauma was then manifesting in, in how he was acting in life. Yeah. My mom, the same thing. And so we were all working through our stories, but like, but no, I had no, I was like, you know, at 17, I listened to doctors, you know, they were like, this is hopeless and helpless. Like there's nothing caused to this. There's nothing you can do to help it. You are just going to have to take meds. This is going to be your whole life. We will probably remove most of your intestine at some point. Just suck it up. Like this is the life you're facing. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. it. There's no... Here's the cards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I did ask, I do think like there was some sort of deep intuitive knowing that like, Mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense to me. And I kept asking the questions, but we, of course, this was also at a time when I was 17, that there wasn't the internet. There was no Google. There was no, not the plethora of information you have now. So I didn't really have a choice, but to like, listen to what the doctors say. So I just went about my life. I took all the medications that they told me to take, which started to create a whole host of other issues. But I was trudging along because that's what I do. I just, you know, I was like, well, bury all these emotions down. I've got to get on with life. Mm -hmm. I can't process how I'm feeling about this disease. I can't deal with this trauma with my parents. I've just got to like do what I I need to do, which is go to college and start Mm -hmm. to work on my future and take care of myself. So... I, like I said, I I ended up in the hospital in New Mexico. I was there for a period of time until I got stronger and then went back to Ohio because my dad had basically said he would pay for college if I came to Ohio. Otherwise I was on my own. Yeah. So I went to Ohio to pay for college and um, I went to Kent State and during college really was like just living in between flares. I mean, I, like I said, took a lot of, they had me on so many different medications. This is when I started, I was on a lot of steroids, of course, but then mercaptopurine, they were trying different, called all different things. And I would go for periods of time managing. I would say I was really just like surviving day to day. And I would have periods of like, okay, never felt great. I think that was a lot of, because of the meds. I was having a lot of joint swelling. So I was dealing with that as well. But I really started to get into fitness also in college. So I think that maybe I just had a sense that my body needed to move and to express energy. And I started to feel like an outlet there, which turned into a compulsion, which is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it turned into another form of just like, you know, burying how you were really feeling about things and just like crushing and pushing through stuff. So I, started to do that. But it really wasn't until after college that I would say I started to explore the possibility of like healing. And that took a very long time. But that's when it started to come up for me that like there had to be a different way. Yeah, I just, you know, they were giving me all this medication, I would feel fine for a little bit. I was doing life like I normally did without making any changes. And it was just like, logically, it didn't make sense to me. It just didn't make sense. I was like, how Mm -hmm. does it, how is there no connection between what I'm eating and this like intestinal distress? That doesn't make sense to me. 
those were the things they were telling me. You can go on your way and eat however you want was literally mm-hmm. my leaving the hospital. Yeah. Just go back to eating whatever you want. And like, yeah. same thing. I was 22 and I was like, yeah, but something like something doesn't seem right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I don't think I certainly, I love doctors. They go into it to serve they want to help people. I don't think there's any ill intent there, you know. Mm-hmm. I just think they don't know. Yeah. And they're not trained on thinking about the body holistically in medical school. They're trained to diagnose symptoms and to find the therapeutic prescription treatment for those symptoms. Not reversing, not curing, not building health. It's just like here are symptoms, here's a medication that can deal with those symptoms. And that's what they know. And so, you know, I, I think they're doing their best, but you know, it's, it's up to us as individuals when we have that feeling like we have to take charge, you know, we are really in charge. We have to be, we have to have autonomy over our health. And I started to feel that and see that like in my early twenties. And so I did manage to find a book I think from Barnes and Noble or Borders or something, you know, back in the day, that was the thing you did is you like went to bookstores and listened to the music, the CDs, (laughs) and you just browsed books. And like, it was like the coolest thing to do. So I found a book on macrobiotic, the diet. Do you know about macrobiotics? Just a little. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really like the only, it basically was like macrobiotic diet for Crohn's or colitis. It was like really specific. It called out my, my problem. And I was like, okay, like this is the first thing I've seen. And so I bought this book, but it was, it's very complex. So it's, it's essentially, basically the foods were like brown rice, kale, a lot of miso soup, you know, just very almost like, um, like an Asian inspired diet, you know, like very, plant forward vegetables, grains, fermented foods, very big on fermented foods. But a huge part of it is how you prepare the food. So it's not just, it's not like you you don't just make recipes. You have to understand the energy of how you're cooking the food. And so there was certain cookware and you couldn't, you know, you can't use electricity. And it was a little bit overwhelming. Um, And I'm 20, you know, something years old. I've just gotten married. I'm a first year teacher. You know, there was like a lot going on in my life. So I hired a chef. I hired a macrobiotic chef. I found one in Cleveland. Hired him to come teach me how to cook the basics. And he taught me a few dishes. So then I basically lived on those five foods for for like months. I only knew how to cook miso soup. And steamed kale and brown rice. And then you make this like, um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but basically you toast sesame seeds and then put some sea salt and then you like kind of grind them together. And that's, that's what it's gomoshio, I think is what it's called. And that's the, what you use as the seasoning. That's the only seasoning. So I had that down, but that's literally like all I ate. And so I would say that was a huge epiphany for me, that diet. It was certainly not sustainable and yeah. it didn't fix everything. But it made enough of a difference Mm -hmm. that it encouraged me to keep going. Yeah, Like it definitely showed me that food absolutely was impacting how I was feeling. And I do remember the difference being a lot and even just my moods then 
of like switching, you know, off of, I was raised on like standard American diet. I ate so much processed. This was like the era of like special K and slim fast and, you know, everything low fat. This was the thing, low fat, everything that was Mm -hmm. healthy, all in boxes and packages and monster foods. Now it's like horrifying to me what I thought was healthy. I ate a lot of pastas and breads at whatever was low fat, you know, even yeah. sugar because it was like low fat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I noticed a difference in my mood eating whole foods that I had never really even been exposed to. So I moved away from macrobiotics, but started to, you know, more information, the internet's out now and they're starting to hear things about like vegan and vegetarian. And, you know, I started to play with these different diets. But it was really around the time when I got pregnant with my son. So I was in my late 20s and had been married about a year. That was not really our plan at that point. Mm -hmm. He was in school and that wasn't necessarily like what we thought was going to happen. But, you know, I found out I was pregnant and um, had to go off my meds right away. So at this point, I was still like, I was doing pretty well because I was starting to, you know, pay a little more attention to diet. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I tried to eat healthier. But they pulled me off the meds as soon as they found out I was pregnant. And um, that's when yoga came into my life. Mm. So, and this is where we like get to the part where I start to understand the trauma and the stress was through yoga. Because I was off the meds, one of the main things that happened during my pregnancy was my joints swelling a lot. So I was having to go in and have them drained and shot with cortisone regularly because they just couldn't keep the fluid from building up on my joints. And I couldn't move that much. And at this point, I was like obsessive about exercise. And so that was like creating issues for me without being able to like have that like, like really over exercise. (laughs) Uh, was my like tool for managing stress. So I had to deal with like not having that outlet anymore. And somebody mentioned yoga. I got a Rodney Yee was my first like experience with the yoga. I got this VHS or DVD or something <laughs> and started doing yoga in my living room. And whew, that's where all of the stuff I think started to surface. Like, as you know, I mean, these powerful healing modalities and movement and breath starts to stir up stuff that has been locked in there. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, yoga really started to reveal this missing piece for me, which is that I had to acknowledge that there was a lot of trauma. It's even just hard for me to talk about this right now because it's like, because I've moved past it and it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's difficult to just actually call it what it is, which is that there was trauma. Yeah. It was emotional. There was physical. There was like, it mm-hmm. was an intense childhood. And of course that has impacted me. How can it not? You know, it didn't feel safe or secure as a kid. I felt loved. I can't tell on, you yeah. know, tell you, I know I was loved, Yeah, but it was not a stable situation ever. I was never safe. I always had to protect myself. That's how I felt. So yoga started to unearth all that and um, poof, that is a tough, you know, that's, I started to recognize my exercise disorder, my eating, dis- my, you know, I had very disordered eating, like controlling calories and stuff um, and all these controls, 
right? And um, it just <laughs> it all came out. And I just had to face it. I had to say like, nope, this is all trauma. This is, I just got to, and I just kept going with yoga. And then through the journey of yoga, I started to heal the emotional and traumatic stuff. And that started to release in my body. How long into your experience of doing yoga did you then decide to do a teacher training? I would say I'd been doing yoga at that point. When I did my teacher training, my son was between the ages of three and four. So, you know, maybe like five years or so I've been practicing yoga. During this time in my son's early years, like around three-ish, my husband and I separated. And I was really doing a lot of yoga then and realized that like I needed to know more. I mean, I was starting to just feel whole and my Crohn's, I was having less and less flares. My body was just, I understood how to like manage my stress and my emotions. And I had this outlet and I was moving this stuff out and just getting real about it, you know, recognizing and then working with it and not feeling ashamed of it and not, and not feeling like there was something to hide or that I even had to hang on to it. It was like an understanding that like this, this happened, I've got to get it out. But like, I don't need to hold that identity. I just need to work with it and move on with life. So I decided I needed to know more about, you know, yoga and decided to enroll in the teacher training. Like I said, when my son was like, he was in between three and four, I was separated. I I moved to Boston. I took a job in Boston and my ex-husband was going to, we had kind of come up with this plan that we were going to do that together. Like I had this job opportunity and he encouraged me to take it. And then he was going to try to move. And so my Hayden, my son was in Syracuse and I moved to Boston. And then we were just doing a lot of back and forth where I would come home for the weekends. They would come visit in Boston. And it was in Boston that I really like yoga went to a next level for me because there Mm. was so many I had not been exposed to like these yoga studios and there was just incredible teachers there from like all over the world, really. Like there was these workshops and events and retreats and I got exposed to like all these different styles of yoga and, and decided to like do a teacher training while I was there in Boston. So that was in 2011 was when I did the teacher training in Boston. And then, yeah, we could fast forward, but it was later that year that I decided to like move back to Syracuse. This back and forth was not working and opened a yoga. So you opened the yoga studio very close to the time of your teacher training. That's amazing. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. was, (laughs) (laughs) I had already started the process, like rented a space and was working on launching that while I was still working in Boston. Um, I was, I was working on my MBA also while I was in Boston, as you know, you've seen at this point, like, I just, I'm like, yeah, let's just do all the things all at once all the time. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's work full time, do an MBA, like have a toddler. I mean, have a toddler, (laughs) start, start a business that you've never done before and do a teacher training. Yeah. So the teacher training that I did in Boston was, so I knew I was going to open the studio I'd made that decision. We found a space. So I was working on that. And then this 
teacher training became available where it was like a one month invert, like a whole immersion thing, like 30 days in a bubble, all in. Yeah. yeah. With this intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very intense. I would not recommend that. Mine was like people ten, that like that mine was ten not months. The way. Yeah. yeah, mine was like one weekend a month for like ten months versus yeah. the more intense style. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked for me at the time because I needed to just like do it and then yep. I, you know, to move, but like you don't have time to process and assimilate the experience you're having. And mm-hmm. the other thing with doing it that way is that you're in this beautiful yoga bubble. Yeah which is amazing. Who doesn't want to just live in a yoga bubble all the time? <laughs> and it's like, then I came out of that experience after 30 yep. days in this, mm-hmm. and it was like sensory overload. I mean, my body literally was like, it couldn't handle just like dumping back into life. There was, that really sent me off my center for a little while because it was intense to just dive back in of like yeah. messages and launching this business and momming and all the, and moving. And so. But yeah, so I total leap of faith because no idea how I had never taught yoga and I had never run a business. Hmm. And I was just like, I need to do this. Like I have to, I need to create this community. I had taught fitness, you know, I was comfortable teaching. I had taught spinning and aerobics and different things all through college and then in my 20s. And I was a teacher for a bit. So teaching was comfortable to me. But I was like, what if I suck? What if I remember that first weekend and like we had this packed house and I had to teach a class and I was like, I've literally never done this. Mm -hmm. I'm a fake. Everybody's kind of figured this out. But like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And who do I think I am? Hmm. But it was beautiful. Like it all, it, you know, it was amazing. It was an incredible like experience and it all, it all went really well. And I was exactly who I needed to be for everybody. And that's, that was part yeah. of what I started to understand, right? I'm sure mm-hmm. you've dealt with this. It's like, I was so in the zone of comparing myself and all of all these other people who were master teachers. And I was like, yeah. I was going to hold myself back until I reached some level that I thought was right acceptable. until we've been teaching for 20 years and right. then we can call ourselves that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, then like, and then what I've realized now is it's like, if I just authentically share from where I am, what mm-hmm. I know now, what I have to give, and I'm not trying to pretend to know yep. something I don't or present myself in a way that's not true, then like, people will totally respond to that. And the people who need your classes will be there. So, yeah. Mm, that is so beautiful. I, I love what you just shared there. And I think so many of us can connect with that, right? It's like how many times somebody asked me the other day, like, well, have you ever really truly been ready for any of the giant leaps you've taken in your life? And I was <laughs> like, well, I guess not. Like, okay. Let's do the thing, right? Right. And and just speaks to your tenacity, to who you are in teaching what you know. Just teach from the place of what you know. And I think that's so beautiful about your entire journey is you just have been so open and wanting to help others because of where you've come from in your own journey. Yeah. So talk us through like this trip you find yourself on going to Costa Rica. So Mm -hmm. years later, 
how was your body feeling like at that time? Had you felt that you had healed yourself from the Crohn's disease over those years or how, and when was Costa Rica in comparison to like opening up the yoga studio? Yeah. So opened the yoga studio in the fall of 2011 and it quickly grew within the next after we were in the one space, the first space for like a year. And then I had to build out a new space and expand and get bigger. And that we were in that space for a couple years and then was building out an, an even more <laughs> bigger space in 2016 and also purchased Lotus Life. So then, you know, purchased another yoga studio, expanded, had two locations. And, you know, to answer your question, like there was a period of time where I was like, oh yeah, I'm good. Crohn's mm-hmm. is behind me. I've got it figured out. I was like, wash my hands of this. I felt great. I was on medication though. So I had at least gotten to a point where it was like, I was on one medication. It was one that scared me, terrified me, but it, you know, I believed I needed it to stay stable. And probably I did at that point. And so, you know, I think it kept me stable enough to like, you know, and the yoga was working its magic. I was, Definitely doing better-ish, taking my care of myself. Knowing what I know now, I wasn't, but I thought I was. I was doing some things right. But the yoga was a huge part of that, really. And I think that's what was keeping me stable. Where I did start to notice some things. So I went off the medication in 2015. So I'm in the height of growing these businesses, expanding. It was just constantly more offerings, more staff, teacher trainings, like workshops, retreats go, go, go. And it was seven days a week. It was a brick and mortar business. It needed a lot of attention and then random things like water, you know, flooding and whatever. Like there was always something, there was always something (laughs) happening. There was not really any rest at all, which, you know, you know, that's a crash course. There's only so long you can do that, but I was feeling okay. I was, I was plugging along. I was very happy. I loved what I was doing. I felt really fulfilled. So I came off the medication in 2015 and also that year started to experience other things that weren't, I wasn't connecting the dots because I didn't know what I know now about functional medicine, but I started to have other symptoms like I was chronically sick. I got every cold that came my way, like bronchitis. I had a year where I had like a flu, then shingles, then bronchitis, then pneumonia. It was like a black plague that never ended. That kind of stuff was happening. And I started to have skin issues. So this is where like my rosacea started, almost eczema-like at times. And my joints were achy on and off. And I just, you know, the skin, I don't know, dermatologists were like, same thing. I let myself get in this loop of like, there's no reason. It's just random. And I was like, but really, (laughs) is there really no reason? Some of those symptoms were starting to happen, but it was kind of like on and off, on and off. I also was, had gotten really into CrossFit during this time. So around 2012, I started doing CrossFit and I got really intense about it. Like I saw myself as CrossFit athlete. I was going to go to the, you know, CrossFit games. I just, and I liked the strength part of that. Like there was this I felt strong and energized and vibrant and I was balancing it with yoga. So like felt like I was handling it. 
So then the retreat you're talking about. So we fast forward through all of this stuff. I'm just go, go, go. And in 2019, February, 2019, we got on a plane to go to Costa Rica. My husband and I, we were co-leading this retreat. We had been to this retreat center before. We were so excited. My son was with us on that trip. I had like arranged the retreat so that he could go on February break. He was 13 and my dad. So, you know, back Mm. to this, what I was saying, my dad, you know, and I've have this beautiful relationship. Now we've healed, you know, all of this stuff. And he, we invited him to go on this yoga retreat and he was like, yes. And that my my dad owns a body shop in Cleveland. Like (laughs) I honestly didn't think I was like, let's ask him, but I don't know. I don't, you can't pull him away from work is problem. Number one, he works around the clock, but also like yoga retreat, Costa Rica, you know, he was all in though. He was like, yeah, let's do this. So this is a very special trip. I'm leading this group of people and, you know, family members are there. And I got on the plane and within like hours was critically ill. Like it was so rapid, Megan, like it's wild to me now. I mean, from how I was in the morning when we left for the airport, I felt a little off. Like I felt tired. I was tired. I was wait, you know, I'd been, I was training. I was doing this bodybuilding training and I don't know. I just attributed my sore joints to that. And I was like, oh, I've been doing too much protein powder. That was what I thought. I was like, no, it's too much protein powder. I got to scale back. And so we get on the plane and like my joints start swelling. I can feel this fever rising. My stomach starts to hurt. I'm having like massive like burning and pain. And my husband's like, what is happening right now? And I'm like, I think I'm having a flare. Now it's been 10 years since I've had a flare at this point. Like he's never seen one. He's only seen healthy go, you know, CrossFit Mm -hmm. yoga. So we get to San Jose. I'm in critical condition. By the time we get there, I know what's happening. I was bleeding. You know, I mean, it was Mm -hmm. bad. It, It really like all fell apart. Basically got through the night, got back on a plane and um, came back to Syracuse and went in the hospital. So Tyler stayed to lead the retreat and I had to just immediately come to the hospital, St. Joe's and um, get myself stable. And Mm -hmm. it was like a full-blown Crohn's flare was happening. So at this point though, this turns into a cascade of like now rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, you know, it's like, it's not just this is the cascade that can happen with autoimmune when mm-hmm. you're not addressing the root causes. This is what I understand now. I think I was stable for so long because there was pieces of the puzzle that I had figured out. Yep. But it wasn't the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And so after that flare basically is when I took a deep dive. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. They were putting me back on meds that were making me feel awful. And I was like, nope, once and for all, now it is time to figure this out. And I started studying functional medicine and healed all of that. You know, now I'm like really fast forwarding and condensing it, but started to understand this, this way of medicine that is mind body and just holistic system diagnostics, like not okay, you've got Crohn's. So let's look at what's going on in your intestine. And then go your joint stuff, go to a rheumatologist and you're depressed and you're anxious. So go see, you know, a psychiatrist or a therapist. And I was dealing with all of this stuff separately. Mm-hmm. 
And what functional medicine does is it brings the whole person into the picture. And it's like, we're not worried about the symptoms and the disease and the names of it and these things like it's all connected. So let's look at this person as a whole, their lifestyle. There's certain tests, you know, we started to dig deeper with some, you know, stuff going on in the body, but you just start to address the entire system all at once. And yeah, the healing started. I actually experienced pretty rapid, you know, symptom relief. And then I've just continued to like get healthier and healthier and healthier over the years with this approach. And it's just like, it's, so I had to share it. So this is where I am now. Where it's like, I had to study. I really just felt like after I healed, I mean, I reversed diseases that they say are impossible. Yeah. You know, and I know that's not, you know, it's not in remission. It's not quiet. That it's gone. My markers are perfect. I feel the healthiest I've ever felt in my life. And um, I had to share that with others. I just, I couldn't keep it to myself. This is remarkable. So conventional medicine for years and years, right? You found relief. You moved the needle, you know, by adding yoga, by adding all of these other components in. But until you started to look at all of the different pieces together, that's when true and complete healing was happening. So like, what are those pieces? Like, what are the different pieces that you kind of now see? And now you help others with? Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about the emotional component. And that that's huge. There, There is no healing that can exist. I don't think you know, like my belief is that it's not a part you can ignore. It's that's part of the puzzle. And then the other layers was looking at diet, lifestyle, and then toxins. So this framework, I'll tell you about my framework, because I think that's the easiest way to, t- yeah. to think about it, which is, um, and this was, this came to me through my healing journey when I got to the other side of healing. And then I saw all the pieces and started to, cause I was asking myself that, like, what were all these pieces? Because they were all critical. Every piece of this was important for true healing. And what came to me was this framework amend, which the name itself was meaningful because one of the things I, I struggled against was identifying with this belief that my body was broken. And then I had to like that, because this is sort of the story, especially with autoimmune or anything. It's like your body is your enemy. It's failing you. It's turned against you. It's attacking itself. And then you believe that. Mm -hmm. And so even just honestly, even without the A, it's like mending. It's like, I don't, I didn't need to fix anything. I needed to like, I wasn't broken, but I needed to shift these components in my life to improve how I was feeling, to improve my body's ability to be resilient and to heal. You know, there was nothing wrong with me. And I had to get out of that mentality. I'm like, what's wrong with me? My body is fully, beautifully capable. I just Mm -hmm. have to like give it the right mix of things. And so with that, so the, the framework is action, mindset, energy, nourishment, and detox. Wow. And those were the pillars that like all together 
had to be there for the healing journey. And now I understand is how you stay healthy and resilient because you have to keep responding and adapting. And when you understand all of those components as part of your healing, then you have the tools for a lifetime. And so the action and mindset piece was actually where it had to start for me was like sitting with those beliefs that I was like broken, that it wasn't in my control, that I was like, it's almost a victim mentality of like, this has happened to me. I don't have control. There's nothing I can do about it. It's genetics. It's, you know, we have all these stories. And so it was a lot of just like, before I felt well, seeing myself healed, seeing the version of me that had clear eyes and clear skin and a calm stomach, calm joints and joy. Cause I was very depressed, very mm-hmm. depressed anxious and seeing the version of me that was going to come to the other side and just sitting with that every day and just being grateful and believing it. So a lot of stuff, a lot of work, but the action piece. So this is, I think where people get stuck is it's like, that's all great to vision, to manifest. You know, we talk a lot about manifesting. I love manifesting. Sure. You can't imagine a possibility it's never going to happen if you don't believe or imagine that it's going to, right? You have to dream. Mm-hmm. But that's where I think sometimes people get stuck, don't you think? It's oh my like, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit and you then have to take action. Like mm-hmm. you have to move one step towards that vision. You yeah. have to do something. It can be micro shifts, it's baby steps, but like you have to keep moving towards that. You set the vision and then your action aligns with what you need to do to get there. So those were the two big components. And then the energy nourishment and detox is like where the functional medicine comes in, which is that energy has a few layers. It's one in your, in your body, like your actual energy, how you're expending it. Maybe that's too much. Maybe it's not enough. You have to look at the balance of that. Also just actually the energy of the emotions and, you know, if you have a spiritual practice and that kind of stuff, but From a functional medicine perspective, we're looking at how the system is functioning at a cellular level. So there's a lot of diagnostic tests we can do to look at the metabolic health of the cells because these symptoms don't exist in just one system. Mm -hmm. This is the piece that I like feel so passionate about people understanding is like, just because you're having skin issues doesn't mean you have a skin issue. Like there is cellular metabolic chaos. Because all the systems are talking to each other, trying to compensate for each other. Like, it's just a sign that something is wrong deeper. And so you have to, you have to keep going upstream. It's not obvious. And so you have to look at like the, so by energy, it's like a huge component of that is some of the functional diagnostic tests and looking at how the systems are working, detoxification, your digestion, your immune system, your hormonal system, they're all feeding into each other. So you need to look at how they're functioning. And start mm-hmm. to look for clues and healing opportunities. And that could be that could be because of parasites and pathogens, heavy metals, mold. There's a lot of things that like create this chaos in the system, you know, and then the cells aren't, the energy of the cells is not functioning properly. So that's part of it. And then nourishment is a big part of that is the food component. And I like the word nourishment instead of nutrition because mm. I just found that like, and then that goes into the mindsets. Fifth, right? It's like understanding 
how to nourish and love your body with things that are going to help the cellular energy to function so that it can like rebalance. It all feeds together, you know? So the proper nourishment, which I think is unique and individual, I don't think there's any, you know, there's a lot of narratives and dogma. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should do keto. Everybody should do paleo, whatever it is. Like, no, it's not one size. It's crazy. No, Mm -hmm. no, we have metabolic individuality and you have to honor that. And you have to figure out what is appropriate for your body and your body at this stage, which may be different than even in a few years from now. So teaching people that and then detox is huge. So, you know, there just is the reality that we are exposed to a lot of other stressors toxic chemical stressors, toxic energy and media, you know, I mean, the the toxin piece is pretty in depth in terms of like, the products we're putting on our skin, the water we drink, the air we're breathing. But then also your choices around what kind of media you're consuming, what kind of people you're choosing to be around. So yeah, so that's the whole and then creating a like, a regular system of like, yeah, we do need to be detoxing. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we get bombarded with a lot of stuff. And, you know, that's basically like, every person's going to be a little bit unique in terms of like, what their, their unique lifestyle, like what stressors, but I'm looking for those hidden stressors that are not obvious, and helping people to learn how to make shifts and prioritize. Because ultimately, the point is that the body heals itself. But you have to create the conditions for that healing to happen. So that's what I do is help people. Mm. And I teach them how to maintain that. I love this so much what you just said there. You're helping people learn how to heal themselves, Mm -hmm. right? It's like the more we can take away I know you know some of my experience with doctors and being in the medical world was just a really disempowering environment where it was like I was handing my power over to someone else what you're teaching people is helping them empower themselves yeah right yeah it's so beautiful so you work one-on-one with people I'll put your website in the show notes and your Instagram is beautiful. So you've oh, got your website you. and your Instagram are just so full of information that people can connect with. And your Instagram is at Tiff Cagwin, C-A-G-W-I-N. And your website is www.tiffanycagwin.com. All of it will be in the show notes. Yeah, are you ready for you. some rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing this just really remarkable journey and just resonates so deeply with healing, right? With healing yourself and now the next piece of helping others heal, which is just so beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. What's your favorite book? Oh, this is such a hard question because I'm a book nerd. My favorite that's coming up is Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. It's just one I go back to again and again and again. There's so many nuggets in there. And I just find it very inspiring and empowering and encouraging. And um, it's a favorite for sure. I love that. It's a great book. I recommend it too. What are you currently reading right now? 
I'm one of those people, I always have three books in rotation. I don't know why three, it's just worked out that way, but there are always three. Yep. So one is called Authentic Marketing and just loving that. The author is Linda Basso, um, or actually might be The Authentic Marketer. But anyways, Linda Basso, I'm reading that one. There's always some like functional medicine when I'm reading. So right now, the one I'm on is called The Autoimmune Puzzle. And so that's my like functional medicine book that I'm reading right now. And then, um, oh, then my like nighttime book is um, The Top Five Regrets. What is The Top Five Regrets of the Dying? Yes. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of this. It's on my list to read, but I haven't read it. Yeah. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like, I mean, I'm only Mm. about a third of the way in, but it's just. I don't know what else to say besides it's beautiful. It's okay. It's one of those that I think like, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have read this sooner, but I'm so grateful I'm reading it now. And I have a feeling already that this is one that I will tell everybody like, you must read this book. Okay. I'm going to have it. to read this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's beautifully written. The stories are so rich and the content is powerful and profound. So those yeah. are my three at the moment. Hmm. And what do you, what do you know for sure? What do you believe? What do you know is true? That the body has this innate intelligence and can heal. I know that to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And we like to end on a favorite quote or a poem, some sort of saying, do you have something you'd like to share with us? Yeah. My favorite quote, um, and I actually have this on my website, is knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. And it's Joeth is the was the um, you know, that's who the quote's attributed to, but I it's like sort of what we were just saying, which is that I think some of the piece that we miss sometimes is in the action. And there's so much amazing knowledge. I love to read books. I love to consume information. I love to know and dream. But if you're not going to apply the knowledge and the wisdom, and if you're not going to do and take action, then you just stay stuck. And people are so much more capable of change than they realize. They have so much more power than they realize. But you have to there is just momentum you have to do and you don't have to worry about it being the perfect action, right? Yeah. It's like, you just have to do, you have to start doing some stuff and experiencing. And that's what the yogis know, right? Is that like, you have to experience yoga. You could sit and read all the yoga books you want all day and that's not going to transform your life. Yep. So mm. that one's my fave. That quote just really spoke to my soul and and what you had to share about it. Like that is your journey. And and that's what I believe to be true as well, that we can do all this work and learn about the emotions and read all the self-help books, but it doesn't matter if we don't actually integrate it, apply it, take action. None of that matters. So yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you, Tiffany. Is there anything else you would like to share? Do you feel good and complete? No, I feel good. I am just so honored. I 
truly am so blessed that our paths have crossed now officially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not just orbiting. We actually, like, yep. you know, are in like, you know, communication with each other regularly. And thank you. I mean, thank you for letting me share my story. Yeah. I, um, it's an honor and I hope that it resonates with people. And of course, if people are seeking any help with their health, they don't know where to start. There's just a lot of noise and confusion out there. I think people are like more overwhelmed now than ever. And um, one of my missions and the work that I do is to just help people cut through that noise and to just kind of come into a space with me. And I can say to them like, okay, I've got you. Like, this is a container. We're in this together. You can stop being overwhelmed with all this information because I'm going to tell you exactly what you need for your beautiful, unique self to get to the outcomes you want. And um, so, yeah, if anybody's interested, you can just schedule um, right on my website. You can apply to work with me, which just, you know, it collects a few, just a few quick pieces of information so that I, you know, have some idea going into our call. Um, And then it just, it pops you right into my calendar to book a call. Complimentary. We just sort of talk about your goals and if it's going to be a good fit. So. Awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Mm, Until next time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're ready to dive deeper into your own emotional expedition, I invite you to join me in an intimate eight-week virtual book study of Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. And in case you're not quite ready to join the study, I wanted to share a free offering that I often suggest to people as a little bit of a compass to get them started on their emotional journey, the meditation to alleviate stress. You can find the meditation and the book study linked below. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. And if you loved this episode, will you please share it with a friend or two? Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you're sure to never miss a single episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices Amplified.